Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Or if you started watching the very beginning, the restart of Overtime, we are glad that you're here with us, whether you're watching us live and struggling through with us, or if you're catching this later, we had no issues. I don't know what you're talking about, but we are glad that you're here. What Overtime is, it's our weekly in-depth dive into the weekend message. So we're glad that you're here, whether you're watching this live or you're catching this via podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that this challenges and encourages you in your walk. One of the things that we always like to do is to kind of give you an update of some of the things that are happening at the church. Um, And we want to let you know when we're recording this. This is actually March 2nd. So this coming Sunday on March 7th, we're starting a brand new series, which we're pretty excited for. We are calling it Sent. Um, That's the short version. But the long version of the name is actually the official Sent study guide. So that's what we are talking about this past week. And if you were watching the first part, I just changed it. So Josh couldn't make fun of me in the name and the title there. But uh, yeah, <laughs> he wanted me to call it one thing, but then he kind of told me, told me differently. To so yeah, we, we should get back please. to that. The other thing that I'll mention, and this was something uh, that we did, is uh, Easter's coming up. So if you are looking for a place to be a part of, we would love to have you be a part of our church service. We'll let you know kind of all those dates and times. Well, the date is the 4th of April, but we'll let you know the times of the service and any special plans that we have in the coming weeks. We're pretty excited for that. So that's pretty much all the announcements that we have. New series starting this Sunday, first Sunday of March 2021. And then first Sunday of April is Easter. We'd love to have you be a part of that. So we also, this past Sunday, finished up our Happy Strife, Happy Life Plus series. So we had kind of a part A and B. First one was just Happy Life or Happy Strife, Happy Life. Second one was Happy Strife, Happy Life Plus, where we got to look at uh, a few more specific examples. So just finished and wrapped that up. Do you want to give us kind of a recap of what we talked about just this past week and maybe even in that series? Yeah, how long do I get? Uh, You get five minutes. Five minutes. Okay, so here's a 10-minute recap for you all. Quick math is what that is. Uh, So we've been journaling uh, journeying through the Gospel of Luke, which he's writing that we may have certainty of the things we've been taught and kind of certainty about Jesus. It certainly seems that uh, that would... um, impact and adjust our life and the way that we've seen that is is actually this word that we've used over and over again that is the the actual action of trusting jesus because we have certainty in him with our life it's called faith and uh, a couple of working definitions faith is uh, obeying not just believing demons believe in jesus they certainly didn't obey him faith is not just believing but obeying even when your senses seem to tell you otherwise right or another way to look at it is faith is obeying even in the middle of, and most certainly during your doubts, right? And so uh, the neat thing about this series, the eight weeks, we kind of, for four weeks, looked at Jesus' teaching on, or I'd argue is his teaching on faith, and that faith is not just more understanding. In fact, more understanding is not the way by which you get to better faith. It's actually obeying before understanding, obedience over understanding, really, really important. So the first four weeks, we kind of looked at, Jesus' Sermon on the Plains, very similar to the Sermon on the Mount. If I were to kind of uh, give a synopsis for the whole Sermon on the Mount and the whole Sermon on the Plains, it's this. If you really believe that Jesus was God's Son and that he was the king of the, the world, right? If he was the, the king of the kingdom of heaven, like if you actually believe that, if you believe he was God's Son and our Savior, this, 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 this is what your life would look like. If you really believe these things, this is what your life would look like. This is how... Your, these would be the actions that you would take. And he starts by saying, 
that we are actually blessed in the middle of some pretty difficult circumstances. There's actually a possibility and a reality and a promise that we can actually find happiness regardless of those things. And it gave, gave us a better framework to look at pain and sorrow and strife instead of seeing it as something that will last forever. What we see it as is it's a, it's a literal place of awareness of going, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And at that point, we get to make the decision. Do we want to walk into the kingdom of heaven or do we want to turn back and go back to our old world, the kingdom of earth? So four weeks, Jesus calling us to this place of deep surrender and deep trust by you know, walking through it, right? The idea was there's a here, kingdom of earth, and there, kingdom of heaven, and believe wholeheartedly. Jesus has opened the scriptures, or he's preaching the scriptures that we now get to open up to tell us, you can get there, and here's how you get there. It's actually faith. Faith is the key to entering through the door to the kingdom of heaven. And what we've learned about faith is kind of three really important things. First, it doesn't start with you. It starts with Jesus, because we're talking about faith in Jesus. It doesn't start with you. You can't conjure it up. You can't manufacture it all initiates with jesus's prompting okay? so maybe for the first time you're going huh, i think jesus might be up to something in my life okay start with jesus second it is it's not about perfection not about perfection in any way it's not about having perfect theology it's not about having all the understanding in the world right we saw some people who literally had pretty bad theology even bad soteriology the idea of how we're saved like and yet yeah yeah they and so it's not about it's not about perfection and you can not get it all right. You cannot understand it all, right? Obedience over understanding. So first, it starts with Jesus. Second, it's not about you having it all right and all figured out. And third, 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 has very little to do with your certainty and everything to do with the object by which you're placing your faith, particularly Jesus. And so the whole idea is that when we lean in fully, we lean in fully, we take the weight off of ourselves, we lean not on our own understanding. When we lean in, that's where we see and experience the kingdom of heaven on earth. So it has everything to do with your willingness and your desire and your activity in leaning in and very little to do with whether or not you're 100% confident it's the right place to lean in, right? It's about Jesus. He's the object of our faith. And so we looked at that. So for four weeks, we really got a good understanding of that. And then, then in the last four weeks, we've actually seen the people in the scriptures. Yeah. Jesus just teaches this. And right afterwards, Luke's going, let me, let me show you some examples of how this plays out in real life real real life and there are people that are in the middle of struggle and pain and sorrow and worry death and depression all those things and you know ditches and dungeons like they're in the middle of all that stuff and for every single one of them you got to see is we got to see them all lean in see jesus make a way for them where there seemed to be no way and reveal the kingdom of heaven to them and you know so you read the scripture scriptures vicariously to us as well and so this final week we finally wrapped up this and so we we're talking about it starts with jesus we saw that a few weeks back with a, a widow uh, and a teen or uh, a mom of a teenage boy who's dead so we saw that second week we saw that it's not about our you know it's not about our certainty it's not about it's not about uh, our doubts right you can have doubts and all this we saw john the baptist literally asked the question are you the one are you the one by which i get into the kingdom of heaven or should should we look for someone else we saw jesus declare he's the greatest human to ever live in the kingdom of earth and then he gave us a picture of how we get to participate in the kingdom of heaven and he kind of divides up two different groups of people who how they view the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of earth and two different views there's awareness and analysis and basically he points to this um, this goal that we would have awareness in him and awareness that god is who he says he is and trust that instead of sit back as you know critics and just try to and analyze that so part two you know, part one starts with Jesus. Part two, it 
it has it has very little to do with the perfection of our theology or understanding, everything to do with who we trust, right? And so third one is this is this is all about seeing Jesus as the the hope, right? And lean in fully to Jesus. We get to look at this um, prostitute who is going to do some crazy things as she leans in fully and trusts Jesus. And this was really helpful, a really good way to land the plane in that. Um, for many of us, for many, probably for you too, uh, kind of the question is, well, I think I live in faith. I think I'm following Jesus. I, I think I'm trusting him. I think, right? right? There's just this, well, I think I do, but I'm not 100% certain. I'm not sure that I'm really, really invested in living in the kingdom of heaven. And so what's really neat about this week is we got to see three characteristics of what it looks like to live in the kingdom of heaven. Here they are, just so you know, passionate worship. We saw in this lady, she was passionate about Jesus because he forgave her, because he loved her, because he cared for her, right? And he offered her grace and mercy. Two, uh, they're courageous. She literally invades a stranger's home who probably hated her and definitely had wanted nothing to do with her, right? Yeah. So she doesn't. And the third one is she used probably the most valuable resource she had, this oil, and she poured it out in worship on Jesus. So uh, passionate worship, uh, courageous living, and extravagant giving. So those three things in your life, my guess is uh, you probably struggle with one, two, or three of those. And our first initial reaction would be, I got to fix that. How do I fix that? And I would go, no, 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 no. It's actually not your job to fix it. Remember, it all starts with Jesus. So what's your role in this? And what we saw very clearly, very clearly, that what this woman had that helped her do this, Holy Spirit, Jesus, and her deep, deep love for Jesus. So the reality of these three things are happening in your life pretty clear it's because we aren't loving Jesus well we're just not loving Jesus well we don't love Jesus the way that we should or ought to and that word ought seems um, shame building and I don't want you to hear it that way right this isn't about shame what this is is about awareness and what we saw in the scriptures is her ability to love was deeply and wholly connected to her awareness of the amount of forgiveness she's been offered so not loving Jesus well I guess, according to the scriptures, it's because you're not really aware of what he has done for you just by creating you and numbering the hairs on your head and knowing you and giving you an opportunity to hear about him and turn towards him as you breathe in the air that he has created through photosynthesis. This is this is a, stop, a, a step of awareness, 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 awareness of, of how much we've been forgiven is what leads to love, which that love leads to people who passionately worship who courageously live and extravagantly give. So that was the message Yeah. in, a, in a nine minutes. <laughs> I was close. It was close. So, uh, yeah, basically, uh, as we looked at this, I, I do think that contrast of analysis or awareness, like that was helpful. Like as you view this story, and we were basically in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 8, 3, That's I right. think. Yep, got it. Um, and basically, as you look at this, like that contrast of, analysis or awareness becomes a really stark picture like it's it's a vast difference between the two and i want to kind of jump into it kind of talking verse by verse but i do think kind of we go full, full circle or at least on sunday you went full circle of going passionately living courageous or uh, passionate worship courageous living extravagant giving and i think that that's where we end and that's our takeaways and like you said it's not okay i've got to live passionately i've yeah. No, we have to look to Jesus, yeah. and and through that, this should be yeah, a byproduct. Let me say that real quick that I haven't gotten to cover on Sunday, and I do think is important, particularly for our engineers and scientists. Hmm. It'd be easy to hear, 
okay, you do awareness. God's big, not analysis. And you go, but I'm a whole, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> a, completely built yeah, on analysis. Right, right. And beyond that, I maybe you have the experience of growing up in a church that told you just don't ask questions. Mm. Just don't, don't, no, 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 no. Who cares? Don't, no, no, no that, don't ask about dinosaurs. Don't mm. ask. And like this thing that we just go, no, no, we just stick our heads in the sand. That's not what I'm saying in terms of awareness. What yeah. I'm saying is. No matter how much analysis you do, no matter how much investigation you go through, you're going to end up in a spot where there is a question mark yeah. and there is a blank. Like, no matter how much you study, you're, you're going to have a hard time going, where did all this originate? Yeah. No matter how much you listen to music, you're going to have a hard time understanding where did all these notes come from? No matter how much you love art, you're going to have a hard time going, where do all these colors come from? When you look at math, where does infinity come from, right? There's going to come a spot in all those things. Or as you look at it, like sociology and the brokenness in our world. There's going to be this place you go, well, how in the world did it get here? And what I would tell you is that's where you put in the awareness. Yeah. Not at that point and go analysis, well, God's incapable. Right, God doesn't always right. do it. That, 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 that explains there's no God. I go, no, no, no. When you get to that blank, when you get to that space where you shrug your shoulders, that's where you place Jesus and go, yeah. he is the one who solves this, right? So, for example, when you think about evil and pain and sorrow, yes, it stinks and it's terrible and I cannot believe it exists in this world, right? But it does. So we can't go, we can't just explain it away. Because it's real. And you go, yeah. well, what's the solution to that? There should be justice. I, I agree with you. And maybe sometimes there should be forgiveness. I agree with you. And what are the levels of pain and sorrow? And you go, well, the reality is that's actually where God fits in. Yeah. God deals with justice in the end. And even for you who deserves justice, maybe you think minimally compared to others, God deals with that justice too. And all of those things actually are answered on this cross where Jesus is dying and saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Justice is being served and grace is being offered. And so instead of going, no, that doesn't make any sense. It's going, maybe when I get to this blank and I don't know how to answer that, maybe that's where I position myself in awareness to go, oh, okay, this is where God is the answer to this. And I might not get the answer this yeah. side of heaven. In fact, I might not get this answer ever, but he is greater than my questions. And those yeah. Things. So, so, yeah. No, I think that's yeah. good because it's, I don't think, yeah, we don't want you to be like, oh, well, just don't ask questions. Yeah. In fact, that's part of the reason why we do this is that you get the opportunity to ask questions and maybe wrestle through that. Yeah. And there's growth that happens yeah. in that wrestling. And so, John, the greatest man ever lived in the kingdom of earth. Yeah. He has a pretty specific <laughs> question. Are you the one? Yeah. Or should I look somewhere else? Maybe yeah. that's just where you start. Hey, Jesus, are you the one? Or should yeah. I look somewhere else? And then yeah. go, okay. I want to try to look towards you in this moment, which is yeah. what John did. So. so what I want to do is kind of go verse by verse, um, because there's a lot, I think, that we could pull out from this story. In fact, you had even said, who was it? Spurgeon. Um, Spurgeon five spent sermons. five sermons on just... Yeah. Um, they were long. Yeah, they I bet they were. Terms. Spurgeon had some long sermons. Um, so kind of jumping in again, starting in verse 36. And this is, some of these are just my questions. We do have a question that we want to get to. I think it's around verse 44. But starting in 36, it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. This is kind of interesting. I feel like my first question is going, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus spend most of his time kind of arguing with the Pharisees? And wouldn't you even classify the Pharisees kind of as, maybe this is harsh language, but the enemies of Jesus, right? Like, because ultimately it's the Pharisees that look for his death. So it just makes me question here, what is going on there? Like, is this a normal practice that Jesus would have? We don't really see this mentioned or talked about, but well, it's we, just easy to gloss over. We see some stuff. Like, for example, we see John 3, 
Jesus, uh, you know, has dealt with a woman as well, and also this guy comes at night. Yeah. Probably a scribe, Nicodemus, yeah. high-level stuff, and he comes at night. There's lots of things about there. And asks him questions, and Jesus entertains the questions. Yeah. Tells him some crazy stuff that's yeah. just going to go far beyond. You have to make sense to me. This is an awareness piece. Well, right. He's God. Then I got to trust this. Like, be born again. What? I got to go back into my mom's womb. Like, yeah, that's a fun conversation. So you see these interactions. And so what we, I think what we got to think about is a uh, couple of things. One, we don't have a, all the stories. John actually yeah. tells us he could write a, there's not a library that could fill the amount of stories yeah. in three years of ministry that, but he writes the things so that you can believe. That's what his buddy John said. And so, but what we do see is we do see most of the interactions that happen are Jesus is offering grace yeah. and, uh, you know, peace and mercy to those who you would least expect it. Yeah. Right. And then offering correction and direction right. and even some condemnation to those who in the first century would yeah. have been the ones that you would think didn't. So basically what you see when Jesus comes, he's got this twofold. He's going to comfort the afflicted. And he's going to afflict the comfortable yeah, a little right. bit. And mm-hmm. so, don't know why he shows up here. I mean, my assumption is it's because yeah. he knows that Luke's going to write the story, right? Like, yeah. so it's not yeah. like he walked in this going, I wonder if anybody's ever going to capture any of this. Like, yeah. I, I wonder if maybe someone will get this and maybe remember it and share it. You know, <laughs> like he was writing this his story of the word in every single movement he had. I, yeah. I'm certain he knew, or at least God knew, the Holy Spirit knew exactly which stories would be captured. And exactly which way they be captured, and exactly what the eyewitnesses were going to do. So a lot, a lot more nuanced. And oh, he just invites and he goes. I'm like, oh, he is, he is doing this. Yeah. This is what's really important uh, for the woman. Yeah. For all those witnesses, including the Pharisee, right? If he can jar some awareness in him, praise God, right? And this is so crazy. He accepts the invitation from the Pharisee for you and I. Yeah. Right. Which is just so profound, timeless, timely. So as this is happening, there's a lot more going on than oh, I guess he just happened to accept this invitation. No, no, no. I don't know what the prompting was, but Jesus saw the opportunity and go, maybe, maybe this is the spot where people finally get some awareness. Yeah. Maybe this is the time that Josh finally gets some awareness when yeah. he reads it this time. And you know, some I think it's really complex. Which, which is mind blowing because you're yeah. going. So you're thinking, are you saying that Jesus was thinking of me as he reclined at the table? Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around yeah. that. But if God is all knowing, yeah. how could like that is possible? So yeah. anyway, so uh, speaking of reclining at the table, like you had talked about kind of the furniture of the time and the way that meals were. It was like a lower table and like seated around this table with cushions and like reclining. So it's, it sounds like Jesus pulled up a lazy boy and was sitting at the table. But that's not necessarily the picture, right? No, no, no. So you always recline at the table because you couldn't put your feet underneath it. Yeah. So, and I don't know about you. Like, I can't, like, my, my poor son has the same problem. I can never get the presidential fitness test, which okay. you I know as a homeschool kid. No, I do know what that is. Oh, okay, 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 okay. okay. So, but there's all these different things. But one of the things was the sit and reach, which you had to get, okay. get, get like, you know, arms width apart, legs at the end, reach through and get past your toes, like imaginary line between your, your heels, right? And I, I, like, right in a second, when I extend my legs, I am in, I'm in full stretch mode. Like, I'm in deep pain right in a second. So, like, what a miserable way to live yeah. for me because I'm like, oh, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those moments where somehow we went to Disney, like Disney, and there was like a, I don't know what it was, Doc McStuffin show. But for some reason, they didn't think the parents would want chairs in the room. Mm. So they have us all sitting on the floor. And about 30 minutes in, it's like, I'm, I'm angry because so, you can't put your feet out in front of you because there's people there. So yeah. there, there is no option. If you're sitting on the floor when you eat, right, which is yeah. what this is, you're reclining. 
Yeah. You're just reclining, except for the, you know, the, the couple of females who are really flexible who are sitting Indian style and they're all like tucked in and like they're all like a ball. I'm like, how does that work? But even in that, like, so what we, what yeah. we know is that the, their feet weren't washed. So how much of that would, do you think would be a, another reason why you're going to put your feet over here and you're going to recline this way? Cause yeah. So, uh, you know, most places, hopefully you wash your feet. Yeah. There, but yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, this is sandals. This is, yeah. I mean, imagine even in our culture, Imagine a thousand years, or you know, a couple hundred years yeah. ago, with the little bitty dirt streets that you're walking on, that horses are. Right. I and mean, there's just, there's, right. you know, there's feces in yeah. that stuff, so it's disgusting. So yeah, maybe that they're laying that way to keep their dirty feet, the smelly feet, yeah. uh, away from each other. But yeah, so it, I mean, it, it's like a, it's like a big roundabout. Yeah. Right. Is what it looks yeah. like, and that just piled on top of each other. It's not like people six, ten. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't so know. you think about kind of the level of like a Japanese culture table. Yeah. Right. And probably rounded okay and sitting there which is interesting because even when we think about the last supper we have this you know this picture right. of what michelangelo put together, right. or da vinci i don't know i think it's i put together there but it, it's not that yeah yeah so i, I just feel like that's yeah. an important detail as we start to look at this woman washing the feet of jesus um and so moving on verse 37 what we see is is the woman kind of shows up on on the scene it says and behold a woman of the city who was a sinner luke is pretty specific Thank Oh, um, yeah. Don't get it. She's a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And then she continues. So uh, here we're introduced to this woman and then this woman. And what I think you did a great job of on well, Sunday is just kind of talking about the idea of this woman and the, the boldness of coming into somebody's house and just kind of going for it, that passionate worship. Um, and, and we always encourage you, if you haven't done so already, we would encourage you to listen to that Sunday's message before diving into this discussion. It'll just help you with understanding, help you as we kind of, this is part two, um, so we don't fully go into everything that we did. But was there anything more that you wanted to talk about? Like you talked about how humiliating that must have been. As Luke is describing this, he's going, you know, a woman of the city who was a sinner who clearly people know. Like, everybody knows who this woman is. Yeah, so one of the big crescendos of six weeks from now, when we get to Jesus Sins on Mount, right? He splits up in pairs. A big idea, so so interesting, and we, you know this, and I know this, you know, experientially. What creates tension gets our attention. Think about when you have to study for that task or yeah. the um, health department comes or, you know, or... or if you own a business or a restaurant uh, or your in-laws coming or having someone over yeah. that tension somehow helps you really focus. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like you all procrastinate. I don't, it's ungodly. But for those of you who procrastinate like you, it is actually the tension of it has to be done tomorrow that gets your attention and focus. Right. So you just see it. I mean, it's in our lives. You're going to see it when Jesus does it. Supposed to be well in pairs. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but oh, it's so crazy and intuitive. So, if that's the case, if what creates tension in our life gets attention for the folks in the room, yeah, boy, did they get that. But they're like, yeah, look at my guy. Yeah. Can I, like, the, my wife knows I'm looking that way with that lady's hair down, right? Yeah. I mean, like, oh man, what, what, yeah. uh, this is like, you know, and, this is, and this even, is PG 13 at, yeah. at best. In terms that, of what the you look. talked about the hair down, like, that yeah. was such a significant thing, like, yeah, yeah. So, not in the Torah, but in like, you know, the, uh, 
the different commentaries on the, the Jewish culture in the, in the first century. Yeah, you don't take your hair down. Like I said, you, you see that. You see that even in Amish culture today or Middle mm-hmm. Eastern culture or uh, Muslim culture. You, you see those things. So yeah. we know about those things. And so that is happening. And so for the people in the room, there was a ton of tension. Yeah. Like, oh, so it was important to me. And I don't know that I even did a great job. It's, I need you to feel the same tension. Yeah. Because there's something about that. Jesus is going, oh, you're going to invite me to your house? Great. You can't wait for this. You have no idea what you just did, bro. <laughs> you know, like, so there's some, I just got like chill bumps thinking about it, Like, oh my gosh, you're so awesome, Jesus. Right? And so in that, I just, there's something about feeling the pressure and tension of that room, which should help our minds and hearts focus on the craziness and the sincerity of this yeah. story. And so she walks in. Yeah, it, there is immediate tension. Yeah. What is she doing there? Is she coming to the Pharisee to collect her pay? You know, yeah, like, what yeah, yeah. is this? Then she whips her hair down. Okay, what is this? Yeah. You know, and then she pulls out perfume. And then she's sobbing. And she starts yeah. rubbing her her tears. Yeah. All that stuff on her, yeah. on his feet. Like, there would have been, everybody would have been staring with one eye and looking down with the other yeah. on that, trying to figure out what in the world's going on. So it, it's pretty significant that this moment happened. And it would have been very clear for those people, probably for the next couple hundred years, as people read this, like, what yeah. is this? A little bit harder for us 2,000 years removed. But I think even we can pick up on this is not normal behavior. Yeah. This is pretty extreme. Even for me, as I read verse 38, it says, Standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair, yeah. uh, the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Yeah. Like, for me, as I picture that, like, even if she is sobbing a lot, there's not a ton of water. Yeah. So I can imagine like the dirt and just the streaks and yeah. Yeah, it's really, not like it's like you spray it. It's not like yeah. a spray nozzle with the stuff rinses right. off. So so I just feel like I I wonder like in my mind what what happens is that the way I envision it is that the dirt that was on his feet transfers to her face, her tears transfer yeah. to his feet, and imagine the scene like she's yeah. filthy, she's disgusting, and she's wiping her hair like this is not a pretty scene like. I feel like just yeah. the sense, like just being there would be awkward, yeah. like seeing this. So hold on to this verse. When we get back to 44, there's a question that's yeah. going to be asked. But it's really important that in standing behind him yeah. at his feet. So remember, they're reclining. Yeah. I don't know if these guys are that flexible. Yeah. So their feet are out. They're sitting towards the table. Feet are kind of the side. So they might be leaning like this or whatever, yeah. trying to get up in your space. Like this. Feet are there. And so... When it, when it gets back to turning towards them, you got to understand that's a lot of movement yeah. that's about to happen for Jesus. But we'll get back to that. But you got to see yeah. it behind him. Like, this isn't beside him. Like, this is behind trying to get there, which implies yeah. that he's sitting kind of like on his knees, laying down, yeah. feet are behind him. And so this is pretty interesting position that all this is in. Yeah. So I just, in my mind, as I picture this, it's kind of ugly scene, if you will, although it was beautiful. In, no, no, it was in its it ugliness, was, oh, right? Like, oh, yeah, I don't want to see that. Yeah, I don't want to so, see any of that. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe you talk about this later. Maybe here, what was the significance of that oil or that that ointment um, that was there? Yeah, there's probably two things to point out. One is just it's valuable. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. to get any kind of oil, it's not like you just walk to a store and get it. I mean, there's yeah. there's hard work or hard costs there. I mean, because you're smashing something, you're heating something yeah so any kind of oil most things didn't come out just as oil right and this is yeah. you know so that like even like fat oil it, it's being melted off so there's something about that there's work and effort and money involved yeah, right. the more work and effort the less money but there's something there so you got that uh we can assume that this is not a wealthy lady right so she has lots of money she's not 
giving herself up, I yeah, guess, yeah. right? And so it's interesting is you can actually study sex trafficking, the battles of it, and the way you go, how, why in the world do people end up there? And it almost has everything to do with power for money, yeah. right? If you have none versus if you have some, so, so, so broken. Yeah. And so you got that piece, the, the value of the oil, really important because she's pouring it out in a way that seems almost poor stewardship. Yeah. But he's the god of the universe, right? Yeah. Like, he can make more of that. <laughs> yeah. You know, he can go, more avocados, squeeze them. You got the one, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Like, so this isn't wasteful, but you don't know he's Jesus. It's like, what are you doing? Now, right. the other thing is that oil is never used for feet. Hmm. It's just not. It's something you put in your hair. It's something you put on your face. But you're not going to, you're not going to take expensive oil, rub it on your feet so you can walk outside. Yeah. Right? And so the fact that she has this oil indicates that this is, something that's valuable to her and two the fact that she's willing to use it on the dirtiest part of the body that has the least return for it is yeah. also pretty significant mm. but 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 i guarantee you she didn't feel comfortable touching his face or being that close to him mm. like she saw herself in this moment as a servant yeah serving the king who's forgiven her so the fact that it's on the feet and that she's using this pretty pretty significant in terms of the value that she's placing on what he's worthy of. Yeah. Not just water, he's worthy of. Not just washcloths, he's worthy of my entire affection and my entire checkbook. Yeah, one of the things that I had for last year as a sermon that I had preached before was just the study that said like in a Jewish home, like you couldn't have another Jew, even if they were your slave, you couldn't have them wash your feet because it was considered that lowly of a position. Yeah. So it, normally, I, I don't know, I guess that you would have somebody that was not Jewish, but a slave yeah. of yours, wash feet. It would be the lowest position, and here she willingly takes that position. Um, yeah, it's pretty beautiful. And then, and then, verse thirty-nine. It says, "Now the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. He said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman that uh, this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner.'" And I, I just felt like, for as we were walking through it on Sunday, I heard it differently. It's not just would have known who but also the and what what sort of woman like who this woman is and what this woman is like it 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 was impactful as i heard it and i've even preached on this passage and never heard or seen this but the what is going wow it's her identity is placed in what she has done right like they have just kind of disregarded her entirely not who like oh is that the daughter of so-and-so or or this or that's it's no what she is. This is who she is. Yeah, so this that. this defines her as an object. Yes. What is a prostitute? Yes. Who is a, a daughter, a sister? Right. A, you know, a mother. So right. a couple of things that I think are just really, really important to see here. First is she goes into this guy's home and does this. Yeah. Now, in fairness, the Pharisee is like, this isn't what I expected. This is not what I want. I'm the leader of this home. How yeah. dare you do this? I mean, that's, you broke in. Yeah, like, whatever. That, that, yeah. yeah, like all that are reasonable responses to this. Now, the where it gets crazy is the amount of judgment he offers Jesus in this because he just doesn't yeah. see it. And so I just would just offer this as a, a nice little nugget is we typically think courageous living towards Jesus gets us celebrated. Hmm. But courageous living towards Jesus actually gets you criticized. Yeah. It's just the reality of it. And so in some ways it's go, can't you just, instead of like feeling the pain of the criticism, going, I'm just trying to follow Jesus. Oh, there it is. There's some affirmation that something's different about the way I'm doing this and that they're doing this. And so there is something to go, yeah, you've seen this. You got the awareness, you got the analysis. But now analysis always leads to is criticism. Yeah. Just critical spirits. And honestly, 
Jesus came to correct critical spirits all the time. He came to save them. But every time, he, he's going to call out the stuff. So when he hears it or when he perceives it, you see him. You see this is what the, 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 the paralytic who brought the, uh, the four friends who brought the paralytic. He perceives what they're saying and then corrects it because it, there's something about that critical spirit in the middle of analysis that really does do some damage. And so he's just thinking these things. Yeah. Don't know why he's thinking these things other than that's just what's inside of him. Yeah. Right? And so it's pretty interesting that we get this go. Well, how does Luke know this? Like, yeah. how does how does Luke know that this is? What I certainly hope happens. This is again. This is not the scripture. What I certainly hope happens is this Pharisee became an eyewitness hmm. that Luke interviewed, hmm. and he goes, "Let me tell you where I was on this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like that would be the most logical way by which we get yeah. the the narration of the head. Yeah. Now, yeah, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, but it's a real possibility that that's what it's coming through. Praise be to God that this is the progression, post-death, resurrection, yeah. some of those things that you see. So I don't know if that's the case, but somehow he gets the information from the Holy Spirit. But by yeah. what means from the Holy Spirit, we don't know. We don't know if one of the Pharisees shared it with the disciples. But we get an inside picture of this guy's head. Yeah. And he is judging Jesus for not being very good at what he thinks Jesus should be good at, which is, that's dangerous. Yeah. It's just dangerous. It's dangerous to sit on a throne. And declare how Jesus should be serving and how Jesus should be responding. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that to me. Like, particularly when pain and suffering happens in our world or death happens in a way that I don't think it should happen. Or evil happens. Or nasty, like horrific worlds or uh, wars. And even sharing with our staff today this idea that I've never really been hungry. Hmm. Never. And yet, you know, fourth, third of our population constantly is hungry and my initial reaction is, but why God? Not okay, God. What do you want me to do about it? Mm-hmm. So just we just got to guard against this. This where we sit up and declare whether or not we think Jesus is good yeah. by the the evidence of what's going on around us. Yeah. Right? yeah, I just feel like that's good. So we see the analysis that's happening in his head. But I love how forty starts, oh, yeah. and Jesus answering said to him, like so. Again, we just he's thinking this in his head, and Luke is uh, like you said, hopefully. You know, hopefully he's interviewed and maybe he's on the other side of of Christ's resurrection and seeing Christ as the Messiah and he's telling his thoughts. But it's just this beautiful thing of going, man, he was thinking it, but Jesus answered him because Jesus knew at that moment. Yeah, so something else to point out here is the fact that he keeps referencing Jesus, this guy as Simon. Yeah. So he sees him as a person. Yeah. But Luke is also writing about him as Simon. So the reality is... When you see Jesus start, or when Luke starts mentioning names and yeah. locations, these aren't huge cities. Yeah, right. This this is his way at times right. of doing the footnote of going. Meaning, people could have gone on that side. Yes, that. and so, assuming maybe even prominent people that yeah. could at least afford somebody coming over for a feast. Yeah, right? so like, going, who is Simon? Oh man, I'm gonna go ask Simon this. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, man, I can't believe that I did that. You know, there's, yeah. so there's something so beautiful about the fact that this is a real person in real time. Jesus has been invited to his house. Yeah. And in this moment, we get all this. Like, what a great, like, what a great gift that yeah. we get in the scriptures when we start opening the scene and as such. But the fact that Jesus peers into his mind, he goes, oh, you don't <laughs> think I'm much of a prophet. Well, Africa Jesus, watch yeah. this. Let me pull this out of my hat. Yeah. You know, so, so fun. So, so he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And at this point, I wonder, like, does Simon know? Like, I wonder how fast that happens in his mind to Jesus answering. Yeah. That's just me as I think through it. It says, um, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Yeah, I wanted to find the language in that to go. Okay. I think this is him like bowing up. Like, 
bring it, bro. But I, I couldn't find any of that. So I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. I don't know if this is just a direct response. If Probably, this is just a reaction, yeah. oh, okay, or whatever this is. I just can't find in the language any emotion. Okay. In it. So okay. it is what it is. But. And so 41 says, and Jesus goes into this story. So he goes, a certain moneylender yeah. had two debtors. Um, one owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When one could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. But which one of them loved him more? 43, Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Like, so here, here. Oh my gosh, I got to hear teenagers. Well, I guess. Yeah, right. Like, I want to answer your question, I but I don't really want yeah, to. Fine. Yeah. Fine. So here Jesus kind of goes into the story. And one of the things that you talk about on Sunday is that we don't do great with direct correction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, yeah. In the, so that's what Jesus is is starting to do here. Is I mean, there you, other people don't. I'm great at it. You guys offer me some good criticism and correction. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And, yeah, well, yeah. I think it all depends on how anybody, like, yeah, goes yeah. about yeah, that yeah, direct correction. Yeah. But but is there anything more there that we should be thinking about, talking about, like, even in this story where Jesus just kind of goes, hey, uh, he knows what he's thinking, and he goes, Simon, I, I got something to say. Yeah, I mean, it, it is so humorous that, like, yeah. It, and that's why I'm like, please open your Bibles and read them and keep coming to learn more. Because it's like, this is so funny to me. Because yeah. he's like, he's not a prophet. Oh, you want to see that? Watch this. <laughs> hey, Simon, I got something to tell you. Oh, yeah, yeah okay, fine. Yeah. Say it, teacher. Uh, you know. Then he offers this weird thing about yeah. money, right? So I don't know why he uses this example. There might be some suspicion for me that he's judging how this lady's spending her money. I, I don't know mm. for sure. But hey, okay. if this lady is, you know using her body to get money, you could think she could do less of that if she wouldn't waste that on him, right? I don't I don't know for sure. So we, if you know the wages, we get this one's a lot more, you know, 10 times more than the other. That's a significant amount. Like that's probably, I mean, if the average American makes $40,000, that's $20 an hour. Multiply it by, you know, eight hours, it's $160. So multiply 160 times, you know, 50, that's, you know, whatever that is. Uh, you know, 16 grand, something like that. Mm. So, I, I, I'm sorry for the math, that wouldn't be helpful. But anyway, so it was it was a significant amount on yeah. both sides. Like this is two months of your pay, whatever that is. So if you make $8,000 a month, that's 16 grand, right? Mm. So that depends on how much you make. Right? So there's that piece for sure, two months. And then you go a year and, a, you know, you know, 20 months, more than a year and a half. This is a significant amount. So I didn't want to get too caught up in here's the, you know, the the val- evaluations of the denar- denarius is, or denarii. Uh, but what I wanted to point out was just he asked the question. One is significantly more forgiven. We see that. And then we ask, uh, we see that Jesus asks him and he responds. But the funniest part of this whole thing is the end where he goes, you have judged rightly. And that's such an interesting word Oh my there. gosh, that's so perfect because <laughs> he's going, I think, I think is what he's saying. Simon, you've been doing a lot of judging. Yeah. And you've missed it every time. Yeah. But this one time. This time, when you answer that question. With a supposed, yeah, I with, suppose. Yeah, you judge, yeah. rightly, right? Like, oh, that's what you want? You want to, oh, you want to touch the stove? Touch the stove. Yeah. You've judged rightly. It's hot, right? Whatever it is. So you just see this moment where he's calling out the behaviors yeah. of Simon. And I don't think it's like a backhanded compliment. I think he's being accurate. But I just think it's a lot more, you know, yeah. a lot more nuanced than just, okay, you got it right. It's like, oh, you judge. You see yeah. that analyst yeah. in you? I finally gave you permission to be an analyst and okay, this time you got it right. right. Yeah. Right. So. Right. So uh, continuing on with that in verse 44, and this is where we get a question. And I, 
again, this is where you said that, you know, um, it was five messages from this one sentence when Jesus talked. So 44 says, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, and that's, that's kind of what the question that we have. We'll get to in one second. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And, and it continues on. So, but maybe let's just pause at 44. So turning to the woman, he said to Simon, and the question that we had this week was this. It says, the fact that Luke recorded this um, in 44a tidbit makes it significant in some way or another. Why do you think the Holy Spirit would want us to know that Jesus turned to look at the woman, but spoke instead to Simon? Yeah, a couple of really good things. First thing I just want to point out in this, and this is so brilliant of Jesus, is there's some real um, there's some real data out there to help people learn and understand if they can actually draw the final conclusion on their own. Like there is a lot of arguments. I, even, I study a lot on how to communicate, what do I need to do, all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of arguments to say, don't fill in the final blank, mm. right? Don't just give them the answer. Or even in the joke, don't just give the punchline. Like, yeah. Let them come to it on their own because there's greater value and, you know, significance because attention gets your attention, right? And so in this, you see Jesus doesn't go, no, Simon, you're the 50. She's the 500. He doesn't answer (laughs) any of that stuff. He doesn't say any of those things. He immediately goes to a new spot. And it says, uh, then turning toward the woman. This is important because the last position we saw this in, remember, Jesus is, uh, is, uh, she's standing behind him weeping and he is, sitting or reclining at the table. So his back is to her. Yeah. So we don't know how he's responding. Like at this point, we haven't heard him say anything. Yeah. Like, think about this. Now for us, we know the story, but these folks don't. Yeah. How does the guy who says he's God respond to some creepy lady wiping her snot on him? None of that's happened yet. This is the first, like, so it's easy to miss all this stuff, right? So it's easy to go, oh yeah, we know the story. No, it's gonna happen. They had no idea what the story was. Yeah. At this point, the story for everybody is playing out. So Simon is judging, like, oh yeah. my gosh, he doesn't know what he's touching her. And the other guys are going, does he know who this is? Like, does he understand? Then he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. These guys don't know that Simon's judging. They're yeah. like, what is he going to say to them? No, he tells this weird story. Okay, he's telling the story. All while she's still washing. She's still doing it. Yeah, so, yeah. so all this is, at this point, it certainly could seem like he's ignoring her. Yeah. So, yeah, he is going to turn, rotate his body, and make her the center of attention in this. Mm. Not as an object. And this is what's really important. She is used to being focused on yeah. in inappropriate ways. Right, so he's right. going to face her. And so now all of a sudden, we story's about to change. They're all going, what is he about to do? What is yeah. he going to say? So they're leaning in. Is he going to say something directly to her? Like, is he going to do that? Okay, is he going to tell her to stop? So they're all, attention gets your attention. And he's looking at her. And he is peering into her, and then he still feels like he needs to offer Simon yeah. one more thing. So he's looking at the lady. Everybody's still wondering what's going to happen. He just asked this cute little parable. Simon's answered, You've judged correctly. He turns and looks at her, and his first words mm-hmm. are, Do you see her? Yeah. In other words, because I do. Yeah. Because I do. Like literally, I'm seeing her. Simon, you, you want to join me in making eye contact? Mm-hmm. You want to join me in nodding your head or smiling? You, you want to join me in those things? Yeah. So he is he is modeling what it looks like to be a savior who sees people and cares about people deeply in that moment. So what we see here is 
He's modeling the very thing he wants from all of us in all moments, particularly those who are in pain or sorrow. He wants us to see them. And so that is a very significant question. Do you see her? Do you see the woman? Do you see this woman? Now, do you see that? Do you see what? Do you see who? Do you see who there? Do you see her? It's a really great question. So the whole scene is now going to be pointed in this direction. And now he's going to offer some understanding of why this moment matters, why she would be doing this, why the whole group should be interested, why we should be interested, and what's actually happened that motivated her to do these things, right? So lots going on here, but I think think that's what it is. So uh, one of the questions that I had in this is that, so it was customary for foot washing. Why wouldn't there have been that? Is that the whole tension of can't ask Jew and maybe he didn't have a non-Jewish servant? Like I, I, because Jesus goes into like, you know, you gave me no water for my feet. Yes. She's wet her feet. Like he starts contrasting. And then 45 says, you gave me no kiss, which was customary to greet with a kiss. Yeah. Um, and even now in places like Mexico, that's, that's even strangers. Like yeah. there's kind of a kiss on the cheek. Um, and so it, he kind of compares and contrasts no oil for my head, but she's anointed my feet. So he kind of does this, but why, why wasn't there maybe some of these offerings there? Like, it's just a question that I have in that, which I know that there's, it's the only way you can answer is through trying to speculate. But. Yeah. No, I think that, I think, you know, let's go back to awareness and analysis. Uh, so there's just a lack of awareness. Yeah. Like literally, even from a hospitality sense, it's a yeah. lack of awareness. The fact that Jesus is having to like do these things, he is unaware. And but mm-hmm. what I think, uh, that's a that's simple answer, but go a layer deeper. It's that they didn't value Jesus. Yeah. It's about value. You value your esteemed guests. Yeah. You see the contempt in Simon's heart and the judgment already. Yeah. So they, so I think this has something to do with the lack of value and priority they have given yeah. Jesus as Lord. Because this guy doesn't believe it. He's got his own scribe. He's a Pharisee. Yeah. He's got his own followers. Jesus isn't one of them. Yeah. We don't know why he invited him to the house. Maybe to, to investigate. Yeah, that's kind of what things. I was so thinking. There's a real... There's a real possibility, or it's definitely, a, it's definitely a reality. I don't know at what level, but there's a lack of awareness in who yeah. he is and yeah. how he should be treated as the God of the universe, right? Yeah. Like, it's what we do. We say Jesus is our homeboy, right? We got all these yeah. different things. It's like, no, he's the God of the universe. He's going, yeah. hey, even if I'm not God, that's not what he's saying, but you just still have washed my feet or had someone. You would at least give me some water. Mm. You would have at least greeted me, maybe at least a hello, but yeah. none of that. And I think it's it, it, it's just indicating that Simon had no clue yeah. who Jesus was. Yeah. So continuing on, I don't know if I need to read 45. Let me just scroll through it. We'll yeah, get to 47. It. it says, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Verse 47, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And I think that's that's beautiful. Like yeah. what's I think beautiful and it's almost funny. It's he, he, Jesus says, which are many. Like, yeah, he's not discounting yeah. her behavior. Yeah. He's not discounting that at all. He's not going, it's okay that she did these things. Yeah. Now, it's not, but it's also not judgment. We know it's right. not judgment right. because of what he offers her, right? right? And so And even that, he's going back to the question if he knew who and what this woman was. Well, he's saying here, which are many, like almost giving nod to, I know who she is. Yeah. I know what she's done, but that's not where her identity is. I think that's 
it's beautiful there that yeah and so what you got to think about here this is really really uh, good so we got this moment so you got the comparison between simon and this prostitute and yeah so when you get further down the scriptures where jesus talks about separating goats and sheep he's going to tell some people depart from me for i never knew you yeah and and he's going to take this a step deeper and they're going to go wait i fed you and i gave you food and he said well when they when the hungry were when they said they were hungry, you did not give them food. When they said they were thirsty, they did not get you did not give them a drink. So he's going to actually double down on this. So deeper yeah. level, it's not just about how you serve me; it's actually about how you serve her too. Yeah. You know, so you're right. going to see that come up later there. And so there is something significant about the way that we are, the way we, you know, uh, are gracious to and hospitable to yeah. strangers. And so you see all those things. And so what I want to, so he calls out the sin. Very briefly, again, not judgment, because he's he's going to yeah. make a judgment, but the judgment is go live in, go in peace, right? That's a judgment, the only judgment he offers her in this. So you got all that going on. So he's saying those things, and and he's looking at Simon, and he says, those who are given little, you know, love little. So he's going to connect love to forgiveness, but I want to be clear, he's not saying that Simon is only forgiven little. Yeah, right. He's saying. He's given Simon awareness of the fact that he probably believes he's forgiven little. Mm. So that's where the real thing is. Mm. It's that <laughs> our capacity to love is connected to our the amount that we've understood we've been forgiven. Yeah. But that isn't, well, I'm fairly good, so I don't have to be forgiven that much. That still is the same category of you still are clueless yeah. about what God deemed as right and appropriate in how our lives have lived. Yeah. So he's not giving Simon a pass because he's loving little because he's only been forgiven little. The real thing is you got a lady who has some awareness. Yeah. You got a dude who's still operating analysis. Yeah, yeah. So let me just finish out this chapter. So 48 says, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Verse 49, when those that who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this um, who even forgives sin? In verse 50, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you go in peace. And and kind of as you were towards the tail end of the message you were talking about, it's only through faith. Like yeah. in this, again, kind of comes full circle. This yeah. is why we're talking about faith through this entire yeah. plus part of the happy strife, happy life. Um, it's by faith alone. It's by grace alone. Yeah. And you had said, um, I think I wrote it in my notes, but that word, um, where was it? Peace. Faith? Uh, yeah, peace. Um, w- one of the words meant grace, right? Am I, am I getting that right? I think I no, wrote No, no. So what we see here, so when we see this, uh, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. So take that word apart. For okay. given. Okay. That literally means yeah. he had, that he has been gracious. That yeah. the initiation of this is actually grace. That forgiveness comes from yeah, grace. Yeah. And so That's grace right. is what's going to be the, the prompter of love and therefore faith. Right. Yeah, so it's right. actually grace. When we understand how much we've been forgiven, that God has been very gracious to us, merciful and gracious, that we understand that. That's what's going to prompt the faith, but yeah. before you get there, you got to go. Well, we have to determine whether or not God can actually be, forgive us. Yeah. So that's what they're saying. Who can, who who can forgive? Well, it can't be. It can't be that guy. It can't be that homeless Jew, mm. right? It can't be. Can't be Joseph's son. Yeah. Who does he think he is, right? So this is what's interesting. This is actually verbally out loud. They're whispering, by the yeah. way. He's now because his eyes are, you know, looking at the lady. Sorry, I just went all all the way off screen. Eyes <laughs> looking at the lady. They're all kind of whispering, like, who is this? What's he doing? So this yeah. isn't just Simon. Yeah. This is all them going, uh, we all know that only God can forgive sins. Yeah. And so there is this proclamation that right now he is saying that if he is telling her 
Her sins are forgiven. He is making a declaration here that is understood by them. that They understood only yeah. God can forgive sins. So they understood that he is saying, I am God. I yeah. am the Christ. Yeah. And so Christ alone forgives. So he is saying, I, I forgive you. So it's all about Christ. Then what does Christ alone do for us? He yeah. gives us grace. What's our response to grace and forgiveness? An increase in love. What happens as we increase in love? We participate in faith. So Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. Yeah. So those things are all kind of connected together, but they're kind of seen as a sequence. Jesus initiates it. Here's what he's offered you. Yeah. Here's our response to that. We lean in and then we love him. And as we love him, the, the manifestation of that love in our life is going to be this faithfulness that we are going to, you know, worship greatly. We're going to live courageously and we're going to give extravagantly. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. So there's actually a sequence here. But we can't figure out the whole sequence if we don't first believe that God alone is Christ and Christ alone forgives. So got to come to that conclusion. Once you get to that conclusion, can you come to the conclusion that you have been forgiven a lot? Because the, it, the hang-up for us in living this way is one or two. Either we don't understand Christ or we don't understand grace. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good. It, it ends at 50, and then we we looked a little bit into chapter 8. But, I man, I really wish I could see what was happening there. So it says... The last thing in chapter seven, it says, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Yeah. Man, I wish I could see what the room was doing at that point. Like, yeah. how did it end? Is that like, okay, I'm going to go home now. Yeah. Like, did they stay and discuss? Did they talk about like uh, how they're going to actually kill or get rid yeah. of them or how blasphemous this was? Yeah. Like, I wish I could see what that was there. But Yeah, and it's important to kind of identify that piece. He's talking about yeah. wholeness. He's yeah. telling her in that moment, she's no longer broken. Yeah. And she's no longer alone. Yeah. Right. And so this is this is beautiful that that forgiveness. He's going, you can walk in wholeness today. Yeah. Like you understand, like, how is she going to pay her mortgage? Like, does she have yeah. mortgage? Does she have kids to take care of? What about yeah. her, what about her pimp? Like, I, I, mean, I don't know all this stuff. Works, yeah. But he is telling her that wholeness is what she gets walking. So this is this is forgiveness and direction. Hey, there is a different way to live. And the yeah. way you have to live now is not alone. You have to walk in this knowing that I am with you. Walk in this knowing that there's a God who sees you and is in your life. You have to walk seeing that you are no longer just you. You are Christ with yeah. you, Emmanuel with you, that God sees and is working in all things. And that actually, I wish I could have spent more time here about that. You're never alone. That's not just a piece of comfort for you. Mm. It's nice to know that God has a forgiveness. It's actually a piece of awareness. Mm. You're never alone. There's never a moment where Christ isn't seeing and working and bending and shaping and the Spirit isn't at work. Even if you haven't seen it yet, where he is wooing you. That is, you are never, ever alone. Like There's never a moment that God doesn't see you, hasn't, had, hasn't turned his whole head towards you like he did for this woman. There's never a moment that that's not the case. And so when we see that and see his compassion towards us, that should create this desire to want to worship him and celebrate him and uh, give our affection to him and serve others the way that he would serve them. Now, this past Sunday, I was reading through this and, you know, we had the clock tick and I'm like, oh, I don't yeah. get to, to get this. But I'm not making this stuff up. I don't think you think I am. But even the sequence. So Paul, after his conversion, Saul becomes Paul. After he gets awareness, by the way, that's what he gets. Mm -hmm. He gets awareness. And he says, Paul, Saul, 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 why do you keep persecuting me? And he's going, I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting those punks. No, you're persecuting me. Like, he gets some awareness. And so then Saul becomes Paul who plants churches and continues to remind people that it's the good news of the gospel. It's Jesus alone who saves and offers faith and grace. So let me just read this to you real quick. This is Romans chapter 5. And it says this. 
Since, uh, therefore, since we have been justified, made right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, same thing he says. You're forgiven. Go walk in peace. Since we've been justified, made right mm. by God. How? Through faith. Through trusting him for by uh, uh, obeying, even if we don't understand. Faith in Christ. Peace through God our Lord. Through him we have also attained access by faith into grace in which we stand. Your ability to receive forgiveness is a gift of faith in your life. So your ability to receive grace is an understanding that Jesus actually offers that. Even if you can't see it, even if you don't understand it, even if it doesn't make sense to you, the way by which we access grace is through faith in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. So Paul's going to go, hey, this is what this looks like. And you'll never be alone. Here's what's offered to you, even in the worst times. This is what's going to be produced. Your sufferings are going to produce endurance, and endurance produces character. It's going to make you who you're becoming, right? And character produces hope, this confident assurance, this confidence in what's to come. And hope does not put us to shame. There will be no more shame, no more guiltness, because God's love has been poured into our hearts. How? God's love. God's love poured into our hearts, right? We receive forgiveness. God pours his heart into us, uh, his love to us, into our hearts. And it says, uh, through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, faith alone, it's a grace alone, mm -hmm. in Christ alone, gives us peace alone. And so, pretty neat to see Paul kind of, here's what yeah, that yeah. kind of plays out. So we see that, we see this lady go in peace. And there's another scene change. Yeah. And what's really neat is this is a woman, by the way, this is kind of, the, the biggest, I mean, he's done some other things with women. You saw this with a, a widow, but this is a pretty a pretty massive moment that he's yeah. going to declare for her. And like, I don't think this is an accident. Like now Luke is going to pan the scene yeah. and show a bunch of other ladies. Yeah. And this would have been Antani, you know, creating, particularly for women in the first century. Going, right. oh, he saw her, yeah. he identified her, he forgave her. And now we're going to, that mean, what does that mean for me? Well, Luke's going to let us know what it means for him. And so it gives us the next. Yes. Yeah, so I'll read uh, eight, one through three. It says, soon after he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing good news, uh, bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. Verse two, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene um, from the, uh, from whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna the wife of uh, Chusa, I'm thinking is how you yeah. say it, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. I think that's so beautiful because Jesus, like we talk about, you know, this woman who was a prostitute, but even in that time and that culture, women were disregarded, right? Women and children were, they weren't men, so therefore they didn't matter. Their testimony didn't matter in court. Like, but Jesus, you start to see it here. He elevates women. He starts to to bring significance to women and children who in that culture in that day, they did not do. So it's beautiful to see that. And then kind of the final thing that you did point out, which I just loved. I'd never Funny. seen this before, but that Herod was actually funding Jesus's mission. So go back. John the Baptist <laughs> is in a dungeon with Herod, who is evil and go, we got to stop this. And the scene to his household. And they're like counting the money. And, you know, it's like, what? This is so funny. How do we miss these things? It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. 
So, so that's just that's the beauty of the gospel. That he's yeah. bending and shaping and working in all things for our good yeah. and his glory simultaneously. So we see it. We see it. And this is I yeah. think what I would wrap up with. There's yeah. kind of this thing where you see that there is healing involved. Mm. It says uh, they were uh, cleansed of evil, healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Love to talk to you more about that. I'm not going to right now. And then he gives us some names. Mary, mm-hmm. who called Magdalene. This is really good. So you go, oh, I've heard of her. You know, like first century people. And then he gives yeah. some other people, Joanna. And in some ways he's saying the wife of Chusa, so you know who she is. This is a footnote. But it's so much greater than us than a footnote because we know that this has been one of the most well-funded positions right. in the entire, in the entire, you know, gallery. Household of Herod. Yeah, that's right. So, and Susanna and many others. Okay. All these people walk in. So what is he, like? Chooses wife is now in the middle of this. She's brought healing, and yeah. so you don't know what that looks like in that whole household, the whole oikos there. What what's going on? So you see all those things, and then this last little nugget is just so funny. Who provided for them out of their means? Which is now all of a sudden they got a bigger picture of the gospel. They have now seen the whole thing, right? So they are now passionately worshiping. They're following them everywhere. They're participating in all that. They are courageously living, literally. Parent finds out they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. Not like they lose a couple of friends. They don't get to be in the country club. They can't run for office in that county anymore. They will yeah. be dead, right? So courageous living and extravagant giving. They're no, yeah. they're they're no position to go. Well, why has God given me what He's given me? Not going. Why don't I have what I don't have? Why has God given me what He's given me? And the answer is to provide for the kingdom of heaven on earth, right? And so this, the beauty of this, which is so profound, meaning that evil boss you have, that terrible job you have, secretly Jesus is going. No, you don't get it. You are doing the work of ministry right there. They're paying you to do it. They may not like me. They may not know me. They may hate me. And they have no clue. They're signing a check. And that check is, I'm investing in you because you're a minister of the gospel. And I'm investing in you for you to leverage that to invest in the kingdom of heaven, both in your home, in your neighborhood, in your work, in your church. All those things, right? And so it's just just so nuanced and so beautiful that his plan of doing this is through these people, through us, and the means by which he funds it is far beyond what we could imagine or understand. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, that is about all yeah. the time that we have for today. So we want to say thank you for joining us. Really hope, again, that you were challenged and encouraged by this. As always, if you ever have questions about uh, the series that we're on, just questions in faith, we would love for you to be a part of this. Uh, we always enjoy when you ask questions because it helps us as we're preparing and kind of talking yeah, through so- it. So. If you have any questions, you can send that to overtime at clcfamily.church. Or if it's easier, you can simply text us. The number is 610-869-2140. Either way, we'd love to have you be a part of it. Again, hopefully you're challenged and you grow. We hope that you have a blessed week. We hope to see you on Sunday as we start a brand new series. What's it called? It's called Scent. The official Scent Study Guide. The official Scent Study Guide is the long title. See you all. Bye.